3: A big cheese!
0: To the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show It is Sunday, January 14, 2018 The second show of the year I can't tell you how quick this year is going already, huh? (laughs) Only two weeks We said that towards the end of last year Because it was a very long year that went by pretty quickly But we're just getting cooking for 2018 And we got a great show for everybody tonight Susan Hartz from Death Slayer and Warbride and Mask And many other bands is our guest tonight As well as Kevin Gucci from Of Gods and Monsters We'll be talking to Kevin in the second half of the show. We're going to get on a lot of music tonight. I don't have that many new things to get on this week because between the move of my family to the new home and rebuilding the studio, I haven't had a chance to really sit down and upload a lot of the new music. But we will get into it next week. But we'll keep the classes going in full force tonight, like always. And right there, heaven within the beginning. I remember hearing that song on the radio back in the 80s and falling in love with this band. I think it was on 82, I want to say, that that record came out. There's was a different name from the Australian version and the American version, but it was basically the same record. And We had Alan Fryer on the show many years ago, and uh, he passed away not long after that. Uh, definitely somebody taken away way too early in life. Heaven was just starting to get cooking again. They were doing some shows here and there. They had an Australian tour set up. And nothing else that was able to come out of it after that with Alan passing away. And speaking about passing away, we lost Fast Eddie Clark this week. So the classic motorhead lineup of Fast Eddie, Filthy Phil, and Lemmy are all gone right now. I mean, Wurzel, he passed away about a year or so ago also. I mean, he wasn't from the classic lineup, but he played with them for quite a long time. So it's kind of sad. But you know what? We all get old. Things happen. You know, that's the way life goes. But let's pay a little respect. The fast Eddie Clark tonight on the show. We'll play some fast way, some motorhead, some stuff off the solo records, and maybe we'll dig into some of the albums that he guested on and played guitar for and produced. Right now it's just a motorhead, (laughs) sharpshooter. Heavy Metal Attack, what a great album that was. Flight of the Griffin from back in 1984. Killer band from San Francisco, California. I wish more would have happened for that band back in the day. They did have one other record that came out two years later, even though I don't think it really officially ever came out, uh, The Protectors of the Lair album. Uh, Don't quote me on that. Don't remember. But, I mean, it's out now for everybody if they want to get it. I mean, with the internet, you can pretty much find anything you want anywhere. But I don't think the album was ever released back in the day. But what a killer band. I have to reach out to them, see if I can get one of them on the show. All right, we're going to talk to Suzanne from Death Slayer in about 10 minutes or so. We'll do one or two more songs. Iman said, did I ever hear from the hitman dude? Yes. Right after the show, Dirk called me. He said he was having trouble with his phone. He was trying to answer it, but it just wasn't working. He apologized, uh, and he wants to make it up to us by coming back on again. So I think maybe we'll uh, try to set that up for February because we're kind of booked solid for January. So we will make that happen next month. At least he reached out to me. You know, it's like an extra. I wish that we could have did the interview that night when we were supposed to. Because, you know, people hear about an artist coming on. They want to hear the interview. And sometimes, you know, shit happens. I usually jump the gun and condemn people right away. But you never know what could happen. So we'll get Dirk on the show again next month, everybody. All right. How about we keep the little tribute, the Fast 80 Clock going? We did some Motorhead. How about some fast way? Easy living. <laughs> The sign of the cross off the discipline of steel record from back in 1986. The band is still active. Sammy is like the only original member left in the group, and they were here in New York last year, and they absolutely kicked ass live. I wasn't there to see them when they came back for the Rage of Armageddon Festival uh, because I just had my surgery around that time. I wasn't able to get out and go there, but hopefully they'll be back again soon. This year's Rage of Armageddon looks really good. I have to say thrusters on the bill. So I'm looking forward to going and seeing Ron and hooking up with him and catching the band live. And there's quite a few other good bands. Tyrant is actually coming back. They'll be in New York for the second time. So I think I will be there at that show. But uh, in 2015, Ruthless put out the They Rise record. Uh, that was the last record that kind of feature a lot of uh, the original members that were in the original lineup of the band. Like I said, it's just Sammy right now. They're working on a brand new record. They should have it out. I'm guessing sometime this spring. So, I'm looking forward to hearing what they're up to. All right, let's jump into some Death of Slay right now, and then we'll talk to Suzanne right after that. Here's Windfall and Angel. <laughs> Hello, Susan. This is Mike. Call for an interview. How are you?
2: Oh, hi. I was just about to call the other number, and I was like three four seven. I was just looking at your number, so okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's just. Was it a different on. number? Yeah, it's... the radio station has a different. Okay, i the okay. cell phone. <laughs> but it's great talking okay. to you today. I'm glad I finally were able to get you for even for a little while, because be such a big desolate fan from back in the day. I mean, it's great talking with you. Oh,
2: really? <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. What, what, did you think people forgot about the band or didn't even remember them?
2: No, I. you know, I always think it's funny because I always feel like I was ahead of everything. Uh, you know, with at that time, it was like, oh, you can't have females in metal, you know, singing metal. And then even when I went to L.A., you know, I was in a female metal band, and it was just, it was so difficult, you know, and... And to, to get a project started with other males, so that's why I ended up in a female band. And then you know, Ev- Evanescence came out, and that kind of broke the ground. And Europe, I mean, has so many bands, you know, with female metal singers, and they they they're allowed to sing, not just shout or, you know, do that whole uh, growling thing too. So so yeah, I'm kind of surprised that people still still remember. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, death slayer that were really into them at the time
0: oh i, I remember being a tape trader because that's how everybody got their music back in the early days to trade tapes with people or, or go to Lamar or a lot of the clubs in brooklyn or in in the city and and death slayer like you said you, you were ahead of yourself not just for being a female fronted band but because of the music that you guys were actually putting out at that time this was like 82 maybe 83 i guess the band got started
2: Right. yeah yeah exactly right
0: yeah, and, and what you were doing really wasn't being done by a lot of other bands at that time. Did you, find it, did you really find it that difficult back then? Because I didn't really care who was in the band. You know, I didn't care if it was a female or a monkey. Uh, <laughs> it didn't matter to me. If it was good music, it was good music. But was it really that difficult for bands? Because, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember Black Lace with Marianne Scandifo. She was a, another female singer from the area. She said she had a really yeah, hard right. time. Uh, Lace, she, yeah. she said she had a really hard time back then, you know, being like one of the only women in the scene.
2: Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. There wasn't, and there wasn't any other women that you could really, uh, you know, talk to or, you know, share notes or whatever. I remember, what was that one band, Sen, Sen Fatale? They did, They seemed kind of popular, but I think they were more on the commercial side. I mean, I like what we were doing because we were all, like, huge fans of Iron Maiden, even though we only had, you know, one guitar player. um, that was kind of like in that style and then the our guitarist you know Johnny he was like extremely talented and creative and he was more into that whole ingve when ingve was coming out and that type of guitar playing and it it was hard because i was never i was really into the vocal part of singing i wasn't into that whole you know, getting the audience and the crowd going. And nowadays, again, too, I go see bands, and it's not this whole thing about shouting at the audience, and you know what I'm saying? And and I think that that was a little hard. I just remember there wasn't any other bands that you could really see. And if it was that easy, I think there would have been more bands, you know, with female singers or female guitarists. I always thought there was a lack of, you know, female heavy metal, hard rock guitarists, too, you didn't see that very often, and and like I said, when I went to L. A. too, it was very difficult. And we we had definitely had a, a really good sound at the time, and I remember you would get through through the, the magazines. I remember Phil from Zigzag Records wrote like a little write up of our demo for yeah. I forgot which magazine it was. You had all those fanzines Metal and then our addresses in it. Yeah, Metal Courses, right, that was it. We got so many letters from all over Europe, especially Belgium. I guess it was huge out there, that style of music. And, you know, to send the demos, and they would play them on their radio shows and do write-ups on us. But it just seemed like, I don't know, maybe that time their metal was still early. Because I was even at the Lamore when it was still disco and dance. And I think there was, was it Wednesday or Tuesday night they started to do metal night or rock night? Yeah. And then it just, like, took over. It got huge. But there still wasn't that many clubs. Because I remember actually doing more shows with the band after Death Slayer when it became more commercial. And it was still Johnny, the guitar player, but then we had a new bass player, a new drummer. So, um, but, yeah, Death Slayer was, I think, a little different at that time because and because of the female vocals at the time, too.
0: Yeah. Was Slate the first band, like, or the first, like, you know, serious type of band that you were in? Because I think it only went on for a couple of years, and I guess it kind of morphed into Helicon, or Helicon was something completely different, maybe, but it was a lot of the same members.
2: Um. Uh. Well, the first band that I was kind of doing was... uh. What's I don't remember what we called it. <laughs> oh, I think it was Marauder, Marauder. And that was it. And there was a bass player, drummer. The drummer was JoJo. And I know we went and did some other things, but I can't remember now. And so it was more simple. And I guess the next – I don't know how we found John Forte and Steve Aliano. And then that was the Death Slayer lineup. And then, you know, it's funny. Remember when you read about famous bands and they'll say, oh, they broke up due to creative differences – and i it's funny because that was kind of what happened, creative differences, but I think also personality conflicts. you know Johnny was very stubborn, it was like he could be very difficult to work with, but he was so good and that was you know and at one time the band did break up, and I joined like a female band on Staten Island, I think we were called Tokyo Rose, but that that didn't last for really. Linda McDonald, I think she was a really good uh hard rock guitar player and she went and did other things too and then death slayer no that was another see it's, it's so confusing it's so long ago it's right? a
0: long time ago I know. death
2: slayer well, I, yeah yeah but no i think death slayer i don't remember how the band disbanded broke up and then me and johnny started something else and i think yeah you're right that was that was Helicon. Oh, no, I think Steve. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, Steve. See, I needed to do like a little background uh, review, but I didn't. (laughs) I think Helicon was with Steve, and then we had another bass player, Um, but that didn't last too long, and then I think we all kind of disbanded, and I think Steve went to play with Primal Scream. Do you remember that band Primal Scream? I do and remember that. yeah. I think yeah. Keith Alexander was a guitar player. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So he was doing that. So he kind of went more in the heavy direction. And me and Johnny tried to do more of a commercial lineup. And then I think it was, we called ourselves Mask. And that was with Mike Cambusi, um Because he's done a lot of stuff later on. And then uh, Paul Ross was a bass player. So that became more commercial at that point. So, and at that time, I think that was probably like mid, late 80s. More clubs started to get rid of the whole disco dance thing and start to have bands. Remember playing the Cat Club a couple of times. There were other clubs too, but you know how the names changed
4: yeah.
2: um, throughout the years. So, yeah. was there yeah, any, And then, then after that.
0: Were there any recordings, were there any recordings with Mass? Rec- were, were there any songs recorded or even with Helicon?
2: Um, Mask. I think Mask was. We did. I think we did a three – yeah, there was a three-song 3, de, uh, three song demo we did with that. It was, ve- it was very different, I think, from Death Slayer, very different. Yeah. That was the problem with demos back then. I remember that Death, Death Slayer demo and how, how many songs did we attempt to do? And, you know, like all young bands, we didn't have a lot of money, and we took on this big task of recording – I don't know, how many songs was it? Seven, eight, nine songs – instead of just focusing on three really good songs. And, try, and then, you know, with, I don't know, was it 16 tracks? And then, you know, when you have a double bass and the cymbals, all that's mic'd on the separate track. Yeah. And then the guitar is like two tracks. So there were, wasn't even many tracks for vocals. So I always felt like vocals should have been like the key part to focus on. And in some ways I felt it was the after, you know, <laughs> you talk about the afterthought for the band and I really wish we could have spent more time on the vocals or at least focus on just three or four really good songs and spent all the time on those four songs because it was just too many songs so when I hear about people wanting to reissue it and re-release it I'm like, oh, I, I don't know <laughs> yeah. if I want that out there, you I, know. I
0: was just going to mention that because, you know, when people heard that you were coming to the show, I started getting calls from a lot of these reissue labels saying, can you put me in touch? I would love to, you know, re-release the Death Slay. And if there's any other recordings by any of the other bands that they were, you know, morphed into or were part of, I'd like to do that. But I, I have it. These, these labels today, they take the tapes, they remaster them, they fix them up, and they sound like brand new mm-hmm. recordings. I mean, I know there's a bunch of people out right, there right. from our generation, the young ones, would love to hear this stuff again. It, 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 would that be an option if uh, yeah.
2: right off came your way? That's, that's the other, there's another issue now, because uh, Steve, the drummer, Aliano, had contacted me a couple of times because somebody was in touch with him through Facebook and saying about reissuing it, and I told him twice, like, Johnny, like, is off the map. I don't know. I could never wow. find him on social media. Um, I'm in contact with his sister and she, you know, isn't really in touch with him. Yeah. So I'm trying to see, cause he's the one that has all the reels and I would think he would have held on to them. I really thought I had them. And cause I, in my storage space, I went looking I'm like, no, he must've held on to them. You know, the death slayer and the mask stuff. So I'm still, there's one other person I'm going to try to locate and get in touch with. that could probably get in touch with him. And see, and it's a shame because I would think, you know, he was such a good guitar player that he would have continued it and been out there. And nowadays, it's so much easier to get your material out there. You know, you can do your own little home recordings. You know, put them on YouTube, on SoundCloud, whatever is out there. And it's a shame that he he's not out there. And yeah, I I guess I know they they would be able to, you know, master it. And with all the new technology now, it could probably sound pretty good um but yeah there's one other person i'm going to try to get see if i can get in touch through another person that could probably get in touch with him so it's another family member so i'm thinking and i i would think i don't know why he wouldn't want to do it you know it
0: would be great i mean i still i still have have the demos and i have you know the compilation albums that you want it would be fantastic to hear all those songs given a new you know new life and there are, there are festivals today that try to reunite a lot of these old bands. You think that would ever be a possibility of getting maybe most of that line up together if there was an offer made to go overseas and play a <laughs> I show? I don't know.
2: I, again, I, yeah, I don't know about Johnny. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't did. even know where he is. He was one of those people that always wanted to, okay, we're done with this. We're going to L.A. That was how it was. We had this really good band. and Then all of a sudden we're in rehearsal. Okay, we're going to LA and everybody was like, "What are you saying? We just did this demo. We've got shows going on in the city. We're going to go to Los Angeles." And it was like, "You can go or not go." And it was like, "Oh, whoa, wait a minute." So, you
0: know, Very so They
2: decided not to go cause, you know, yeah, yeah, we had, you know, and so that that's how that last band broke up and, you know, of course I went with him and we it, it seemed like it was even see when you leave your your little community, networking yeah you don't have all those connections then so when you went to LA it's like starting new and you have to find new people to you know like just just like any networking system with jobs and stuff so in New York you always had somebody oh this guy knows this bass player or this drop so you had this little network but when you go to LA if you're starting fresh and you don't know anybody it's really hard to connect with people and we tried to do a project. We found a drummer. Could never find a bass player. They just did not want to work with a female singer. And I think in some ways LA was a little harder because you had all that, you know, the Motley Crues and those Poisons and all those glam bands, and it was all about males, you know, and the girls were just, you know, the decoration. Yeah. So yeah. I think it was really hard to find something. That's why we kind of like he went started to do his own thing with male singers, and then I found this female project uh war bride and they it was actually just the keyboardist and war bride had a swedish guitar player i forgot her name and she was really good but they disbanded and so it was just the keyboarder kind of carrying the name and we we continued on but i remember yeah it was it seemed like it was more difficult to get people because they didn't know you and they weren't interested they just thought oh it's just too difficult to have A female singer and I think there was maybe what, Phantom Blue I think was the only one at that time that kind of took off and did like a, you know, tours in Europe and, you know, had their CD out but
0: yeah, well, but yeah,
2: I don't, I don't. As far as Johnny, I have no idea where he is. And like I said, through a family member and his mother, maybe I can, you know, have her get in touch with him and see, you know, what could happen with
0: that. That'd be great. Well, with Warbright out in L.A., I remember because uh, Sandy Sledge was uh, in Warbright. I don't know if it was around the same time that that you were out there with her. Yeah, that was
2: before. Before, before. like I said, it was, yeah, she. I never got to see them, but I think at that point they had disbanded. And then was another singer and Susie. I think Susie was another singer. I remember hearing and, but yeah, like I said, the keyboardist and the, the Swedish guitarist. She gave Velia, the keyboardist, you know, permission to use the name. I mean, I don't think it was trademarked or anything, copyrighted. But so we, it was all new members except for Velia, the keyboardist. So, and I don't know what happened to the rest, rest of the girls that started Warbride at that yeah. point.
0: I think it was. I think, I think it was Laurie Was the guitar player in that band at the time, Lindstrøm or something?
2: Yeah, that's it, right, Lori? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, with that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right, right? Yeah.
0: Did that? I mean, did it? Did it really go anywhere at that point in time? That band? I mean, any recordings, any shows, or did it, didn't it really take off?
2: Yeah, we did. We did um, one recording, and it was like, I think it was some of the. No, I think it was all three new songs, and then we went in invested all this money to do this really good, you know, demo, at like a bigger studio. And it just, it took, a, it took a long time to do it um, because we had this one guy helping us this guitar player and he was trying to, you know, because the guitarist we had, she was good, but she was really young and inexperienced. I think maybe she was like 18, 19 at the time. So he was always trying to help her, you know, always trying to, it seemed like the producer and him were always trying to add more and more technical, you know, parts to the songs. And producer was really good. And he helped me get, you know, find this other side to my vocals and get out on the, on the demo. But just, again, it just seems like the more and more time you spend on it, it's never getting done, and the more you know, money gets put into it, and then the band members get a little anxious and nervous, and then the producer said he had connections in Europe, and then there was like all these issues with the producer that I won't go into, you know, some problems with him and debt. You know, he had debt trying to, and he was putting his own money into the project, and then I don't remember what happened. I think it was creative differences and personality differences. And then we had finished that demo, but then, then we kind of broke up and the keyboardist was left. and wanted, she wanted to go even heavier at that time. Cause I don't remember what heavier bands were coming out. This would would have been like 92, 93, something or 94. Some heavier. And she wanted to go in the more heavier And I was like, I can't sing like that, you know. I don't have that kind of a voice to sing, growling and that. And I and I didn't want to do that either. And then I was going to do a demo with them. Started to do a demo with them, and yeah, I don't know. Just like we kind of like it, just kind of tapered tapered out. And I didn't really get along then with certain members of of, in one half of War Bride. And then I did my own demo. I said, I'm going to do some commercial stuff. So then I went and did a commercial demo. Then they were mad at me. And it was just like, it was like we weren't playing out or anything at that point. We we're just trying to do all these demos. And we did a lot of shows and it just seemed like, I don't know, maybe we were too heavy. I think that was it. I think War Bride and Away was a little too heavy. Like I said, the other female bands were more, I don't know, in the vein of like LA Guns or that type of thing. And I think we were just still a little too heavy. Yeah, For for them at that time so.
0: Do you think if these bands but Yeah and, there's and, a demo And this music that you were writing and recording back then Would have started now It would have been a lot easier Because you've seen over the last 10 to 15 years I mean the music scene is not the same anymore Record labels aren't there People aren't buying no. music But as far as like being accepted by crowds and fans and Do you think it would have been a lot easier today If Warbride or even Death Slayer you know, Has started today in this kind of environment Or market
2: Oh, yeah, that's what i was saying. like I feel like it's, it's it was we were too early at that time, and now, like I said, evanescence coming out, and a lot of the bands I really listen to is like I'm a huge fan of like Nightwish and Within Temptation, and those bands, and it's like you hear so many and then Amaranthe, and it's like you know, I love those bands, and the fact that the singers. Thing and then yeah, once in a while to have the guy singer is kind of cool to have that you know play off you know you know the contrast in the songs and I just think yeah it would have been easier and I'm like surprised that all these bands are getting again there's so the market is oversaturated I guess because you do have the internet now which we didn't have back then and I really don't know what's going on with the club scene I don't really go to many clubs anymore to see bands. Um, unless it's like Nightwish or somebody who's, yeah. like coming. But I I think in a way it would be more acceptable. It's just, you know, like I go and I go to these shows and I'm like, wow, there's so many guys at these shows and they're so into this band and they don't mind like the soft vocal parts and they really like it. And, and it's, I think, I think, yeah, it would be easier. Again, I don't know what the club scene is like for the, this kind of market. You know, I don't, Really know is it, is there like metal in the club scene like in New York City anywhere? Yeah, where well, I, mostly Brooklyn. As far these as like days. smaller bands, not like not. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, that whole Greenpoint area. Oh, for
0: Greenpoint, Even Williamsburg it's there's a club every
2: other block. I
0: mean, they'll put you know 50 to 100 people really? in yeah. for like a semi-known band, but. I mean, there's definitely a scene. The problem is that most people are, are in their 50s now. <laughs> they grew up in the in the 70s and 80s <laughs> with this music. And you tell them, you know, be at a show at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday night. They're like, all right, I got work. I got to take the train home, the ferry. I can't, yeah, I, 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 I can't get there. So that's that's kind of the problem. But you do get a lot of young kids that just want to get drunk and hang out. But most of people that really are going because they enjoy the music, they're too tired by 5 o'clock to get back on the ferry or the train to head to Brooklyn or the city.
2: Yeah, that's really right, right, yeah. But it's, like, funny, like, I'll run in. I remember recently I ran into this girl, and, you know, they have now the trendy thing is to wear these shirts with rock bands on. But you can see when it's an authentic tour shirt. When, like, I saw this young girl with a tour shirt uh, from Maiden, I was, like, recent tour, and I was like, wow, that's so cool. Love your shirt. You like Iron Maiden? She goes, goes, yeah, I really like them. And, you know, I wish I could have, you know, those bands back in the day. So I started telling her all the shows that I went to like yeah. in the eighties and stuff. And she was like, Oh my God, I'm so jealous. I wish I was from that time that I could have seen all those bands. So it was kind of cool to hear that. So I guess it's like when kids, young kids were listening to like, I don't know, Zeppelin or, yeah. or, or, or I don't know the doors or something like that. And they were really into it and they were like, Oh, I wish I could have seen all that. But I just feel like there is there is some market for that here but again you have the problem with the, the the record companies and all that and back in the day it was about doing the shows and how many people could you get at the shows and that was always the struggle you know the pay to play like even the more you have to sell your tickets if you yeah. wanted like a good good lineup and it was just such a struggle and then in LA you have to do the networking and hang out on the streets and hand out the flyers then you go to see somebody's show because you'd hope they come see your show and And it was just very difficult to get that buzz going and people to see you. And now it's like, I guess it's about how many hits do you have, you know, on your video or your song online before somebody takes an interest. So, I guess it's another another difficulty, too, now, trying to get out there and be heard or seen. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: But it's true, like I said, when you think about it, you know, you get in a band, you just want to make music, get up on stage, perform and play live. And then, like, everything else comes to hit you. Like I said, promoting, selling tickets. You want to focus so much more on everything but the music that, you know, it kind of, like, takes away the joy of, like, you know, doing what you're doing, which is being in a band and writing and recording music.
2: Yeah, exactly. And performing, and even if there's like five people, you know, we always had certain fans that would always come to the shows and that were like right up front and knew all our songs. Or would wear those shirts that we that we had, you know, made up, and it was very cool. And it just is like, you know, and then there's always that question when you're a band, like how long do you stick with a particular project? Till you know, is it gonna work? You know, that whole thing, and how, you know, how, yeah, how how much time do you put into it? And then I still felt like that last band that I was in with Johnny in New York, we were really good and we had this good potential. And then he just like disbanded it just like that, you know. I don't remember the time frame, how long we were together, but but it was just like, it's just like it's disappointing too, the whole thing. And yeah, yeah I, I miss it, you know. I'm kind of talking to a couple of guys about doing something. I don't want to say anything because we haven't even really gotten together. Just kind of worked on the stuff, you know, individually you know, just, like, and see what happens, but I tried, when I came back to New York, to work with a couple of writers, musicians, and do something, and then it kind of did some dark wave thing with a guitar player and a a bass player, but that didn't really pan out into anything, then wrote with another writer, uh, keyboard, uh, guitar player at one time, and just, you know, recorded stuff when we were just, you know, messing around together, and it's like, but, it's just, it's just so difficult. And now again, I'm just out of that whole scene and, you know, but I really would like to get back into it just for the joy of just getting out there, like you said, and playing and performing, and then maybe starting to do some original stuff again. I, I write, you know, lyrics and try and do little melodies here and there. And I don't know, I guess it's just finding the right people again. But like you said, that that joy gets so hard because it becomes a business you know it always becomes into a business and and then people get you know they go on to do other things and like oh this is just taking too long I was talking to another guy the other day and he's got a couple of projects going on but like you said you know when you get into your 40s and this and that certain people are married and they have kids and they have jobs and it is hard to put in that time for it so you know and then do you play in a band with kids in their early 20s? <laughs> you know, I mean, teenagers? And, I know, uh, well. I know. You,
0: you got to just do it because, you know, you, you enjoy. You find the right bunch of people to play with. You just exactly. get out there and record. And you don't have to worry about that pressure like you had back in the 80s of trying to make it, getting assigned to a label, getting to the next level. It, yeah. it, it should just be for fun at this point in time, and, and I hope you do get something yeah, going, point, because yeah, it would be yeah. great to hear you sing again. I mean, I would love to come see you. Being out here in New York, I'm a Staten Island these days, no longer in Brooklyn, but I mean, I would go anywhere in the city to see you guys perform.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I'm looking to see what happens with this, and I do want to you know, talking to you again and you had contacted me, I'm like, all right, let me get on this other contact person to see if I can get in touch with, you know, Johnny, the guitar player about getting these things out there again. Cause it just, it would be, it would be cool to have it out there. And you know, anybody that could hear that stuff, it makes you feel good that years later and maybe some young people too would get into it. I don't know if there would ever be like a reunion or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just to have it out there.
0: Sure, that would be the best. Because it's funny, because you see all these kids today, like, you know, in the teens, the early 20s, listening to the music that, you know, we were doing it back in, in the 70s and 80s. And I'm like, I don't remember myself listening to my father's music when I was, like, 19, 20 years old. I wanted to do know, my own but thing. But right. They it's just love it. I guess they realize, like, how good it was, and, you know. It, There's something missing today. you know. Those riffs aren't there. The vocals aren't there like they used to be. The the catchiness of the song. Right, yeah. And I think they realized this was really good music, and now they're all kind of coming around to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I listen to, for some reason, SOU, WSOU, got better reception now. Like, I'll be driving out to Queens or or wherever, and, and I'll still get reception. So I actually listen to it a lot now, and I'm like, oh, there are still some cool, like, power metal bands out there and, you know, just Straight heavy metal bands and that, that are out there, and so I'm kind of like listening to a lot of that and you know, and shazamming it because they use most of the time they don't tell you who, who the artist is. I know, was. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, this is cool. let me remember them. So like, I like, I don't know who any of these people are, so so yeah, so I like to hear that too. And like I said, I but still, I don't think there's any bands in the states that are like, um, I mean, Evanescence was okay, but I. Wasn't really a big fan of them You know I just like that whole I, I don't know I guess it's power metal I don't know what They don't even call themselves Metal like Nightwish And those kind of bands But But those bands You know I really Really like those type of bands But they all seem to be from uh, Europe So
0: It's big over there still Europe Especially Germany there, There's a massive scene over there It's like it was here in the 80s It never kind of uh, Went away over there
2: hmm Right Yeah Yeah
0: So they kind of Flourish the Netherlands
2: over there and, Yeah
0: and, well, yeah. Well, well, Susan, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I know you were really busy this week. I appreciate you even taking the time out today to talk to me. I do appreciate that Oh, yeah, that.
2: no, this is fun, yeah. But I
0: I, I, can, I do hope you get something going, and I do hope maybe you can kind of dig Johnny up from wherever he is and shake him off and, and get these songs yeah. out there again. It would be fantastic. <laughs> and, I know, and I know a lot of yeah. labels that want to put it out. So <laughs> if you need any help, you just let me know.
2: Right. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for getting in touch with me. And. Oh yeah, you'll be one of the first to know if I find find out if something if he's out there wherever and has still has the reels, and doing something with it. That would be awesome.
0: Oh, uh, that's great. Listen, you take care. You have a great weekend. Enjoy. And I hope I get to talk to you again real okay, soon. Hey, thanks. You too. Take care. Bye
2: bye. Yeah, definitely. Okay, take care. Bye bye.
0: death slay with night of the burning cross i hope some label reissues those albums i hope the band uh could kind of come together and uh, make that happen some great stuff over there but like i said like the quality you know it was the 80s like she said there wasn't a lot of money spent on the demos well it was a lot of money back then but it was never enough money to really put out a good tape back then but we'd love to hear it remastered and reissued that would be pretty cool i have to say all right we're going to talk to kevin Gucci in a few minutes Let's keep the fast Eddie Clark tribute going. This is off of the solo record, Laugh at the Devil. Then maybe we'll jump into some Omen that featured Kevin on vocals and we'll give him a call right after that. So uh, sit back for the next 10 minutes.
3: It's a monster But you'll be drunk in the mail
0: you know what, let's give Kevin a call, he's standing by, let's get him on the line, we'll play some of his music after the interview is over, bear with me a second while I dial up his number, let me get him connected here, hello, Kevin, it's Mike, how are you doing tonight, alright, how are you doing Mike, Hey, I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. It's been a long time since the Phantom X days, actually. So uh, it's good to talk to you again. And it seems like 2017 got a little flaky towards the end, but it picked up with all the gods and monsters.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We take what we can get, right? (laughs)
0: That's right. Well, listen, the song you sent (laughs) me was incredible, man. And is this going to be like a full-time band you're looking to put together? Is it a project where you're bringing different people in to play with you?
1: Um, I, I'm trying to make it a full time gig with these guys. Uh, you know, it, it started out just as uh, calling my friends to see who might be interested in doing a, you know, an album with me, and then it turned into, you know, these four guys.
0: Yeah, so you're definitely looking to turn this into something you can go and record and tour with, then.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's what we're we're looking at. I mean, we got to get this record out first and see what happens.
0: Uh, that's some good stuff you got going on there. I mean, you know, you've been in bands your whole life. You've played with a lot of different people over the years. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Do you think being in a band like with other people where they all kind of have an equal say is the best way to go, still, Or do you think it's better if you just went out on your own and brought different people in to play with you that way? You know, it kind of, it all falls on you, but yet, you know, it lives or dies with you
1: also. You know, to be honest with you, it, it pans because if everybody's heart is into it and everybody's head is in the same direction, it can be very, very fulfilling. You know, it can be a great, great opportunity. But, you know, if not, if people have different agendas than say what you have, you know, like for me, I just, I just want to put out a good record. And I want to go out on tour and I want to be in a good band. And sometimes that is too much to ask of other people, you know, uh. I can
0: imagine you know, you would think like, like when we get to be our age, like a lot of stuff you could kind of put to the side or bypass just to go out there because, you know, we're, we're, we're in the second half of our life. I want to say, you know, so you just want to enjoy it and have a good time. But it seems like a lot of the nitpicking and all the,
1: the bullshit just gets in the way. still. it does, it does sometimes, you know, and the, the music business is not what it, it used to be. You know, uh, you gotta really, really love it. You know, my, my, uh, my middle child, my 21-year-old daughter, you know, she's she's she wants to be a musician as well. And I, I've always preached to her, look, you know, if you're in it for fame, if you're in it for fortune, you're probably in it for the wrong reason, you know. You really need to be into it because you love playing music. Because in the end, you might not ever really be famous, at least not to the degree that you want to be, you know. You might not ever really make a whole lot of money in the music industry. No one... Not everybody makes it to Metallica and Iron Maiden level, you know. you got to really love it. Uh, I
0: agree. I mean, being that you've been in this business, you know, pretty much your whole life, I mean, when your kids tell you, you know, dad, this is what we want to do also, you know all the heartbreak that comes with it, but you also know all the good stuff that comes with it. So, I mean, do you ha- are you supportive even though you know that, like you just said, it might
1: not go anywhere, but you
0: still have to support them to do it and let them learn on their
1: own? Absolutely, you know, uh, with with my daughter, it was a little different because I told her, look, you, we, you know, she told me at nine years old, hey, Dad, I want to sing, I want to be able to get up on stage and and do what you you do, you know. So I said, okay, I'll help you, but here's the deal, it's not, it's not a hobby, okay, because it can get very expensive doing this sort of thing, going into the studio, re- re- renting rehearsal studios. Putting a band together, it's, it's not cheap, you know. Everybody starts out in the garage. I started out in the garage too, you know. But, But for her, I wanted her to understand we're not going to dabble in it. If you're going to do it and you want my help, you know, if you want me to help you, then it can't be a hobby. You've got to go for it, you know. There's just no middle ground there. You know, if she had decided that she just kind of wanted to dabble in it, I wouldn't have, you know, it'd been just more of her kind of doing it on her own. But she enlisted my help, so you know. So you gotta go. You gotta do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you gotta do it. Yeah, it's your kid. You know, you gotta do it. Yep. Uh, I agree with you on that. Well, Kevin, last year, I mean, let's go back to the beginning of last year. Finally, the Omen record comes out, an album that people heard about and waited on for years and years and years. You were part of it again with the band. Things looked like they were going great for most of the year, and then boom it was over again. (laughs) I mean, is it the curse of, is is it it the curse of Kenny Powell? (laughs) Why? Because
1: a lot of people have been there and knew yourself more than once. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. When I, when I joined back with Omen, I mean, I told Kenny this myself, I plan on being here. This, this is where I plan on ending my career because I'm 54 years old, you know? So, how many more years do I have at it? How many more years can I viably give the fans and our friends quality material? It's limited for me at this point. I'm definitely not 21 anymore, you know? So, uh, you know, I was planning on the long haul, but we, we got through the tour. And by the end of the tour, things were not kosher. They weren't, uh, as, it wasn't a good working environment for me at that point anymore. So, you know, it it basically just came down to a disagreement between Kenny and I, and all I really wanted for him was to call me on the phone and let's talk about it. And he, he decided that he did not want to do that. So I had to make the decision to move on, you know? Yeah. It's gotta be a hard decision too, because you do put all
0: your heart and soul into a band You know, you give it everything you got, and then you have to walk away when it seems like things are going really well. But, you know, sometimes personalities, no matter how hard you try, they just –
1: it doesn't click sometimes. Right. Well, I mean, Omen is Kenny Powell's band. It's his band. He's the only original member left. Even when he had uh, Steven there, you know, for a while, it's still Kenny calling all the shots. And, uh, you know, I'm cool with that. But I got – I and my wife got solicited to handle – business you know for the band and so that yeah. kind of puts you in a leadership role and I you know I yeah I, I think that's where a lot of the clash it came about and it was you know it wasn't like I was making any extra money to help the band get booked or to handle situations for the band you know I was just doing it because I was in the band and I wanted us to be able to do stuff you know and not sit at home you know yeah so of uh you know but it, it's always going to be his band. So whoever, whoever plays in that band is going to have to answer to him. I just decided it wasn't going to be me any
3: longer. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I hear that. And I can tell you one person it won't be, and that's probably George Cole. <laughs> he, won't, he won't be going back yeah. to the band either. Uh,
1: you know, I, 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 I don't have anything to say about about George, you know. I, I wish him the best in what he does. and. I have to leave it I at
0: that. that. <laughs> I hear you. I completely hear you. Well, go, going back to gods and monsters. Now, when did this start, first start percolating? When you say, you know, I got this idea, and I want to see if I get these people together and make it work. <laughs> were, were Dean and Joe, we like two people you knew right off the bat you wanted to work with on
1: this. Well, I mean, you know, as soon as as soon as I knew I wasn't going to be in Omen anymore, which was about two weeks after our last tour, which was in July, and uh, you know, it's getting close to the beginning of August, and and uh, you know, that's when I was like, well, I, you know, I want to. This is an opportunity for me, I guess. I'm I'm not going to be an omen, so I can, I can definitely uh, do another project. And when I first started the idea, I thought, you know what? I know a ton of great, just excellent musicians, and especially guitarists. I, I thought, okay, let me find ten guitarists. You know. Uh, we'll have just one drummer, one bass player, but we'll have we'll have 10 guitarists. And 10 different guitarists do 10 different songs. And I would call the album A Tale of 10 Kings, you know? And so nice. that's how it all started. I mean, originally I had Ira Black from uh, Lizzie Borden was going to do a song. Uh, Mark Shelton from uh, uh, Manila Road was going to do a song. Jim Barraza from Sirith Ungle was going to do a song. I mean, I had 10, ten great guitarist and Joey was in there too. Now Joey, Joey was the first guy that I called to do this because uh, we, he and I, we, we were at Bang Your Head uh, or oh, it was the last time Omen played Bang Your Head and he was doing a Randy Rhodes tribute thing and was uh, having multiple singers get up and sing different Aussie songs in tribute to Randy Rhodes. and he asked me to, I got asked to do, be a part of that and, and that was the first time he and I would ever been on stage and and I was just like, man, if I ever get the opportunity to do something with this guy, I'm going to jump on it, you know, because he just blew me away. And I thought we had really great chemistry. Well, after uh, we got Simon Wright to play drums and Joey Vera to play bass uh, on the very first single, and it was Joey and I and, and those two guys. And so we put out the the one single. And I thought it was amazing. But after we put it out, Joey came to me He goes, hey, man, this is really cool. I'm, I'm really starting to get into this. What if we just – what if I did the whole record? And we had uh, another drummer friend of mine – he didn't tell me who it was at first uh, – come in and play drums, and then we can find a, a, a really cool bass player too. Well, I said, yeah, dude, I'm up for that because, you know, my original thoughts with Joey is that, like I said, if I could ever – if I could ever do something with him, I'm going to jump on it. So, of course, I jumped on it. And he goes, well, the, the drummer I'm thinking about is Dean Castanovo, and I, I, I about hit the ground, you know? Yeah. So he goes, yeah, dude, you know, Dean, Dean and I are really good friends. He did – he helped me on my first two solo records way back when in the 80s. You know, it was 80, 86 and 87, or somewhere around that time period when Joey put out his first solo records, And Dean was the drummer on that. So he contacted Dean, and Dean was – he was in, you know, so I was kind of blown away that, that, uh, you know, we get, come on, man, the ex drummer of Ozzy ex drummer of journey is going to uh do this project with us. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's, that's great. That's awesome. So then we had to find a bass player and, uh, I thought Tim would be the perfect guy. He had just gotten out of Striper. He's been doing, working on some, a couple other projects and his solo album. And then, uh, uh, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I'm working with Joey, I'm working with Dean, and he was he was in immediately. So it was, it kind of, it just fell into place, you know, uh, one of those strange kind of things that was just kind of supposed to be a everybody involved kind of project now turned into a, a real band, and, and uh, it, it, wow, dude, you know, it's obviously some of the greatest players I've ever played with ever in my entire life. I feel like low man on the totem pole on on this
0: venture, (laughs) you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, but don't say that, because to me, you're really not. You're right up there
0: with all of them. And, you know, Dean is an amazing drummer, but he's also an incredible singer, too. People forget about that. Oh, dude.
1: I know, dude. And, you know, trust me, it's scary, because if you get on YouTube and you look up Dean playing with Journey, I mean, he would do Mother, Father, and a couple of other Journey songs. He would do them live. And it's just amazing. I mean, I was like, "Wow, Steve, Steve Perry would have a run for his money on this." Yeah. You know, on this stuff. You know, yeah, he's amazing. And sadly, though, uh, you know, we we just we just got finished with the drum tracks. We're about to start the, the new album. And uh, Dean, we just he didn't have enough time to do any of the the vocals. I really wanted him to put some background vocals and some other stuff on the this record that we're working on. But he just ran out of time because he's, you know, he's playing with Dead Daisies. They're about to go on tour and do their thing. So he's under a big time crunch to to even record, you know, our record. So, you know, I've already talked to him about, okay, we do the second one, man. You've got to promise me that you're going to put some vocals on there because <laughs> you're amazing, bro. You know, you're, you're yeah. amazing. So we'll I'm see where that goes.
0: Great. Well, when you first get together with people, for the, you know, you, you're working on songs, you're throwing ideas out there. Do you have to, like, kind of go out of full force to say, hey, you know, I've got all this going on. I want to get it out there. Or do you kind of, like, feel everybody out to see, like, what people are going to throw into the pot and mix together?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's the normal way of, of doing it. But, you know, this, this project started off differently. I wish that we could go back and, and uh, just all four of us be sitting in a room and we write all these really cool songs. But it just didn't happen that way on this one. Now, we've already talked about it, you know, if we we have the opportunity and can do a second one, which, you know, nothing's ever set in stone, but that's where I'm headed. You know, that's what I want. We're going to spend some time writing some music together. Uh, This time, most of the songs I had pre-written, you know, I had written because I was sending these songs originally out to different guitarists, you know, different bass players, uh, a couple of different drummers, you know. uh, Getting, you know, enlisting people to record on, you know, my first basically solo record, which was going to be called, you know, Of Gods and Monsters, a tale of Tim Kings. But uh it's not even going to be called that anymore. But yeah, I mean, it, I think when you've got talent like Dean and Joey and Tim, you know, when you're playing with those kind of guys, oh, you want to bring out the very best and you want them to have input and, you know, because they're great. They're great musicians. They're great songwriters. Everything about them, you know. So you want to. I want. You know. I want to see what we can do. You know, completely as a team. But trust me, uh, with the arrangements and even some of the stuff that that I originally wrote, these guys. I mean, I could never be the bass player that 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 Tim is. I could never ever even uh, come close to being the drummer that Dean is, and never uh, you know be close to being the guitarist that Joey is. So they're putting their their own thumbprint basically on what I originally came up with. The the songs don't sound completely the way that you know my original demos sound, and I'm glad of that.
3: You know what I mean?
1: Because <laughs> uh, yeah, putting their input on it, you know. So that's kind of the way we're we're handling the first record. Is that? Oh, that's way. cool. Is it, i mean it seems like it's the
0: new norm today for a lot of bands like to have to record their parts separately sometimes you have members from not about different states in the country but from different parts of the world i mean it's just just the way the business is going today that it's difficult to kind of find people you want to play with you know within distance of yourself like to keep a band
1: you know local yeah yeah i mean it, it is the way of the world i mean especially with uh computerized recording you know uh People in, like you said, in a totally different. Say you have a drummer who's from Norway. He can record there, and send you all the WAV files, and it can be imported into the session by your producer. And he never even had to come to America to do it. You know, he just went yeah. you know, to to the normal recording studio that he records in and does it. That's exactly what Dean did. Dean lives up in Port, the Portland, Oregon area. He did his tracking up there, and then of course sent his tracks to me. You know, via. Via email, actually Dropbox, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and uh, Tim lives in Arizona. I'm sure he'll be doing the base the same way. Joey lives here in L.A. Uh, along with me, and I think we're going to get together and, and work on his his and my vocal parts together. You know, make sure that we're yeah. in sync completely. <laughs> <laughs> Got that.
0: Does it make it more difficult that way, or is it actually easier? You know, to, to put put an album together like that.
1: You know, it's it's uh, there's pros and cons to both ways, you know. Uh, I think the thing that I dislike about doing it this way where, you know, people are recording in different places and then sending you the tracks is it takes forever for those tracks to download, you know. I, I spent, uh, I think it was like three or four hours just downloading all the drum tracks, you know, a week and a half ago when I got them, you know. And of course... Yeah me being so excited to hear what Dean had done to the songs because I wasn't there for his recording, you know, just wanted to hear what he had done to them. I couldn't wait, you know, those four hours was like an eternity uh, just <laughs> to hear what he had done. But, but let me tell you, dude, he, he never ceases to amaze. He is a complete badass when it comes to drums. Uh, I can't wait to hear When do you think you're
0: going to get the whole thing out?
1: Um, we're we're shooting for some time in spring uh to release the whole thing and it's it's going to be called uh sons of, Aunt, of of Armageddon sons of Armageddon is uh nice. the the new title that we have it's actually a name of one of the songs uh for the record as well so yeah oh by the way uh I'm at Disneyland right now, so <laughs> oh, now you really'm doing, doing this interview as you. roller coasters are rolling by uh, you right now i i wish i wish I was with you. <laughs> dude i wish you were here uh it's nice and uh, sunny here it's uh it's knowing where you're at right yeah I, we we just got rid of the snow this weekend but it's coming back in a couple of
4: days
0: oh, we're like at about three degrees yeah. right now
4: <laughs>
1: yeah well you know uh us us in california we always wish to have white christmases and then uh you know our friends and the, on the east coast always wish for the sunshine sunshine so you yep. know, we're in the um, same boat.
0: <laughs> I, I'll make sure I send it out to Mother Nature to send it your way next year. Don't worry yeah. about it. I'll, I'll get that right out there. Yeah.
1: Please. Hey, mom, oh, give God. us a
0: break. Okay, <laughs> With anything going on with Santa Mex? I mean, is it still happening?
1: No, you know, I left, a, I left the doorway open on that, you know, for a good going on four or five years. And as soon as I wasn't doing the Omen thing anymore, before I put... Uh, any attention to of gods and monsters, you know, I contacted all the guys in Phantom X to see if they would be interested in doing something. And, um, you know, the, the bass player, Glenn Malachy, he just, uh, you know, he's at a point in his life where he just is not really interested in doing anything recording and touring wise. I think he plays in a couple of bands in Dallas just periodically. I think that's the way he wants it. And to be honest with you, he's the guy that I that I started that band with. And if he's not in it, you know, I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see the the relevance of it. Uh, you know, I loved playing with those guys. And if he ever changed his mind and all four of us decided to do something again, I would definitely jump on it. But you know, without him involved, it, it I don't know, just I don't know, it, it wouldn't be the same. It just wouldn't be right to me.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel right. Well, you know what? Never close the door on anything these days, right? No, no. And they're still my, you
1: know, they're still my brothers. They'll, they'll always be my brothers. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, because the opera of the Phantom about six, seven years ago. What a, what a great record that was, man. I kept waiting for that follow up, but I know you got busy with other stuff. And is that like a Necessary Evil today, also, where you have to play in a lot of bands if you want to keep active and busy?
1: Um, I, I don't, you know, not necessarily. To me. I, you know, I did that for a while. I did Omen and Phantomex at the same time, and uh, there's parts of that that I regret because I feel like you don't really give complete attention to the band that to you know any given band. If you have more than one band, I think uh, if you have one, if you, you and you're dedicated to the one, I think it can get your complete attention and it gets your very best. You give it, you know, two hundred percent instead of you know just a hundred. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know many musicians that are in many bands and they can handle it and they do just fine, but this is, you know, after my attempt at at doing that, I don't think I'll ever really do that again. That's not really my, it's not my, I'm not good at it. Other people are, but I'm not, you know, Uh, I hear you. Well,
0: I'm glad you got a Gaza Monsters. Monsters. Okay, go. I'm not gonna keep you. I'm gonna let you get back to your family. Go on Space Mountain. Go on Splash Mountain. Go enjoy yourself. And we'll talk again sometime <laughs> when the album comes out. But what, what are you thinking about? This spring, we'll hear from you again.
1: Oh yeah, dude. I, I, we, you know, anytime I get to come on your show, it's a good, good day for me. So I appreciate that, Mike, and I appreciate all your listeners giving me a chance and
3: and you know
1: checking out what I have going on uh anybody who's interested definitely check out the the latest of gods and monsters song it's called waiting on the end of the world it's joey tathola on guitar myself on vocals simon Wright who used to be with dio and does dio disciples right now he's on the drums and joey vera from from uh uh, fate's warning playing bass and also uh keyboardist from alcatraz i just drew a blank he came into the last minute he put keyboard he put keyboards on it uh and, and you know just i i'm really happy with the way it came out so everybody should check it out if they get a chance it's uh it's on itunes and i think there's it's even on youtube if you you know don't want to spend the buck uh before you hear the song understandable check it out on youtube it's there too so Yeah, and we got new music coming. A whole album's worth.
0: Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're going to play that song right now for people to get a sample of. Oh, cool. Awesome. Kevin, you have a great night over there. Well, it's afternoon for you, so you have a great time at Disney, and we'll talk again real soon, buddy.
1: All right. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man.
0: My pleasure. Take care. All
1: right. Talk to you soon, man.
0: Bye-bye. All right, Kevin Gucci. Now that's a man, huh? He's out at Disneyland with his family and still takes the time to talk to us on the show. Not like other people who sit in the living room and forget to call in. Here you go of Gods and Monsters waiting for the end of the world. Hey. Talking to to blah, 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 what a what a tongue twister that one was to Suzanne earlier, she was saying how she listens to WSLU and they never announce the name of the band, so she doesn't know who they are when she comes across the new band. And that was one of the things I always hated about that station. I mean, it's a college radio station. They play a lot of great metal. I used to listen to it back in the 80s when, you know, it was the metal I grew up with. Now it's a little bit of everything, but they very rarely ever tell you the name of the DJs, never tell you the name of the bands or the songs. And that's why I was said when I did this shot, I announce every band, every song after it's over, after we play a couple in a row, because people want to hear something and like, you know, I like that, but I don't know who it is. At least I do that. <laughs> you know, so I feel like, why do you keep announcing the names of the songs? But that's the reason I do it, because in case of a band you never heard of before that you may like, you know who they are. All right, we're down to the last 15 minutes or so. Omen, Era of Crisis. I'll say it again. It was a great album that they put out last year. It's a shame things didn't work out, but Kevin's got of Gods and Monsters going right now. And I'm sure he's going to make a success out of that. Let me see, who do we have on the show next week? We only have one guest next week. Dave Gutierrez is with us. You may remember him from Oblivion, New Jersey Oblivion back in the day. He has a new band called Desperadicio. If I pronounced it right. And he'll be on next week. And then I think we're wrapping it up this month with Mike Portnoy. He's got his new band, Sons of Apollo. We'll be talking to him to close out January. We're already lining up a great bunch of guests for the month of February. So I guess we're going to get a lot of music on next week. Unless I get a call that somebody's looking to come on the show. And we'll fill it up with another interview slot. All right. What's going on? And Oni Logan, he left Lynch Mob again. I think that's like the 23rd time in the last 20 or 30 years. The guy's part of ways with the band. So... I wouldn't say it's over forever, but he might come back again one day. He says it's a new year. I guess he's looking to move on to newer things. Um, not like Lynch Mob is so active that they play constantly, and he needs to you know, dedicate all his time to that, but if he's throwing his hat in the thing with this uh, deal hologram thing that he's a part of sometimes and Dio disciples, I guess that's what he's trying to do. Who the hell knows? I Earth, they're looking to re-record all of the earlier records. I'm not a big fan of artists re recording records. I know some of them have to do it because they lost the rights to the music and the only way to kinda of get it back and put it out again is by re recording those sing- you know, those songs. So that's why a lot of them do it. Then you have people like Manowar, who it's an eagle thing and they just think that, you know, they want to erase the memory of like, you know, Ross the Boss and the early records and have the new guitar player Carl Logan. Not know no, he's been with the man a long time, but re record their parts. I am not a fan of re recording albums. They they represent a time and a place in everybody's life where that band was at or you, were, you as a fan where you were at and you want to hear it that way if you listen to the the battle hymns that Manuel re-recorded it sounds nothing like the original version you can't lightning doesn't strike twice in the same spot or maybe it does I don't know but I don't think it does uh, but you can't recapture that classic sound and that magic from the time gone by I mean, I've heard some re-recorded songs that I really dug. I thought they were pretty cool sounding because they were very similar to the original, just you know, mastered, remastered a lot better because of the technology we have today. But I'm not a fan of it. I know Ice Earth had about a half a dozen singers in the early years of the band, so maybe they want to combine and consolidate it to sound like the new singer does. But the chances of him being in the band for more than another album or two are probably slumped on anyway with Ice Earth's track record. But to each his own, John is going to do what he wants to do. Uh, I was just listening to the new Loudness, uh, I'm Still Alive, it's called. It's not bad. I mean, you know, Loudness have a distinctive sound because of the guitar and the vocals, but the sound seems a lot like faster and speedier than a lot of the other stuff they've done in the past. And the vocals seem a little bit more screechier, but it's not a, it's not a bad song. I don't know what the rest of the album sounds like. I haven't gotten it yet. Or I haven't had a chance to even go through this entire song. I just heard a little clip of it before we came on there. But it's not too bad. Not too bad. All right. Let's play one or two more songs, and then we're going to call it a night. We'll be back again live next Sunday. Here's Nasty Savage for those dungeons of pleasure. Contained Bondage and pain Leather, vodka It's not all the same Touching a flag up Touching a up Acceptance sorry Nothing Touching <inaudible> 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 a flag up Touching a up of the with acceptance play Lovell's Blade for about a month and a half now and every week we get towards the end of the show I'm like oh damn I forgot to get on a song but that's Lovell's Blade rolling on I love this record I mean I really do it's just a great hard rock album Pete Lovell who sang with uh, the band Pitcher back in the 80s actually he joined the band I think after Sammy uh, part of where uh, Shmuelok, uh left the group and then he was back with them when they reunited for the second time or the third time for like the last 10 years or so but now he's gone he's out in his own Lovell's Blade killer album Pick it up. All right, we're down to the last few minutes. We're gonna play one more song. We're gonna wrap it up here tonight. I wanna to thank Suzanne and Kevin for being a part of this show. I tell you, we didn't do any show the last two weeks of the year because uh Sunday night it was uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, the two holidays. We don't usually do shows on the holidays, but they both have the full on show day this year. Plus between my wife's surgery, the moving to the new house, the construction work you know, it was three weeks before we got back on the air live again last week, and I felt very rusty and out of shape, very tongue tied, and I, I still feel the same way. It's going to take me another couple of weeks to get back into the flow and the groove of things. I haven't been able to put as much time into getting things going with the show as I normally do in the past because of everything happening here at the new house, but. Little by little each week we're getting closer and closer to completion. The studio has two of the three walls that have to be built up. soundproofing will be going in this week, and all the electronics so we're getting closer. We will be back up and running full full force in another week or two. but I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for being with us during the construction phase. I do appreciate it. We'll see you guys live next Sunday night once again at 6 p.m. EST. Let's wrap it up here tonight with some Max Havoc with Midnight Machine. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. If you are in New York, it's going to get cold and snowy again, but that's the winter here in the Northeast. Take care, everybody.